Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul. We're promoting pathological positivity at Live on Purpose Radio today, as we always do. And I have a fantastic guest sitting on my couch today. His name is Mark Merritt. Say hello, Mark. Hello. How are you, Dr. Paul? I'm doing great, thanks. I'm so glad you joined me here today. I'm happy to be here. We have had a chance to visit in the past about what your story is. I'm going to give a brief introduction, then just let you run with it. All right. Okay. I ran into you a couple of months ago at the National Speakers Association, and you were showing up there because you have a story to share that makes a difference in people's lives. Yes. You know what I've noticed about all of these stories, Mark? What's that? Every single one of them has a hard part in the middle. Oh, they all do. Have all you the, all the good well? ones do. Yeah, all the good all ones the do. Good ones. The ones that have the power to inspire me have a hard part in the middle. Yep. And there was a hard part for you. Is that where we start? Yeah, we can start right there. Tell us um, about, about you and, and lead into that story, too. Well, my wife and I have a home uh, not too far from here. And, and right. our home is... It was, and here, by the way, is Utah County, Utah. Yes. We yes. have listeners all over the world. Well, did you know that? No, I wasn't aware of that. So there you go. So here is Utah County, Idaho. Uh, Idaho. No, not Idaho. (laughs) No, that would be that would be Utah County, Utah. Utah County, Utah. That makes more sense. Since I used to live in Idaho, that's where that kind of throw in my head there a little bit. So, those of you that are geographically challenged, let's go back to Utah. As Mark appears to be, (laughs) apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Well. My wife and I have a home not too far from here, mm-hmm. uh, and it was built in the 1950s. Yeah. We've okay. spent a lot of time working on this home. It's an older home. It was oh, one of yeah. those that, you know, it was one of those fixer-uppers. Uh, so what we Is did, it every home a fixer-upper? Even, even when you start them new, I think I they're know. still fixer-uppers. Well, you homeowners yeah. know what we're talking about. <laughs> so, so you were doing some of this home improvement we stuff. Were, we were, and, and me and Home Depot were really close. Yeah. We've been really tight. Every Saturday I go visit. They you keep know, your whether, credit card on file. They do. They yep. do. It's a nice thing. Mm. And so we were doing a lot of work, and the home builder, when, when they built the home originally, they put, they put four spruce trees around the corners of the home, kind of like his signature. Oh, yeah. You know, every home builder has their own little thing they like to do, and mm-hmm. this is what he wanted to do. Well, 1956, he planted these trees. Okay. So if you get an idea, start thinking growth, they are big trees yeah, now. Yeah, this is a mature, huge tree. It, it, there's four of them on the property. And what happened okay. was, is my wife is, uh, her name is Victoria. And hey, Victor- my wife's name is Victoria. What a dink that is. Uh, I so. know. <laughs> anyway, I should quit interrupting you. Keep going. No, you're just fine. So my wife, Victoria teaches and has taught classes up at, in northern Utah. It's called Thanksgiving Point. And she teaches master yeah. gardener classes. And she's done, oh. gone through that whole series of, uh, of classes. And so mm-hmm. she, our yard has become kind of a laboratory. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. She wants to plant this. She wants to plant that. And Mm -hmm. these giant trees in the backyard made it so there was so much shadow that she couldn't really grow what she wanted to grow. Mm -hmm. And so she asked me, can we get rid of these two trees in the back? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm an old wildland fire guy. You know, I did wildland fire for about nine years. Mm -hmm. And I did the smart thing first. I called a tree guy. I'll, I'll be honest, I, I was smart. I called first. You're identifying that as the smart thing. It was the smart thing, yeah. as opposed to the not, not so, so smart, smart thing. thing. Yeah, right, I did. I, Which I followed you chose up to with. do eventually. Yes, eventually. Right. Called the tree guy. And this he came, sounds so familiar, uh, by it, the way. It I is. can apply this to 50 <laughs> projects that I've done. Anyway. So we turned around, and he came in and gave me a bid. I didn't like the bid. In reality, I thought... Came in way too low. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it was. He was going to cut down the trees, leave the wood, and not grind the stumps for the money that he, he, you know, he bid for me. Mm -hmm. And I thought there is no way I'm paying that much money to to, still have all that work to do. Yeah, that's kind of how I thought. And I thought if Mm -hmm. I'm going that far, you know, we'll just do it all ourselves. Now Victoria was a little worried, Mm -hmm. and and rightfully so. I began, I called a couple guys in our neighborhood and said, come help me, and you mm-hmm. can have the wood, because they heat their homes that way. Right. And we did one tree just fine. Now, we live in a neighborhood, so I couldn't, like in the forest, I couldn't just drop a whole tree, one big chunk. I had to top it and bring it down in pieces. Oh, and so, right. So the first tree, I'm actually going up the tree, and it's it's a spruce tree, which is, which is a type of conifer tree or a pine tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the branches, as you know, come out all over the place. And so you can't just climb straight up the tree. So as I'm going up the tree, I'm cutting off almost all the branches and mm-hmm. leaving about four to six inches left so there's a little stump of that branch okay. so that I had footholds, handholds. It's holds. a ladder, basically. Yeah, it became a ladder. Mm-hmm. Foothold, handhold, and someplace for my harnessing to hang on to. I'm trying to be safe, so I was harnessed. Sure. The first tree, like I say, we got up high enough. I topped it, brought it down in pieces. Mm-hmm. It worked great. Mm-hmm. The second tree was actually the tallest tree on the property. And now give me an idea. How tall are we talking? Here? 65, 70 feet tall. Whoa. Yeah, they're pretty. They were, that was the tallest one. It was about 65 or so feet So tall. this is like a, a telephone pole is maybe 35? 35, 40 feet tops, yeah. Okay. So, so that gives you an idea. Folks. Gives you an idea, right. Okay. okay. So I was doing the same thing, going up the tree, working my way up, cutting branches. Um, this was on a Saturday morning, April the 26th of 2008. As okay. this happened. So we're coming up on five years now. Mm-hmm. And as I was up about 40 feet, and I found out later it was 40 feet when the, when the paramedics and the fire department came back and doing their reports to see how high it actually fell. Um, my chainsaw, all we can figure is hit the roping, cut me free, oh, and I fell. Wow. Now, the first thing I did, and this was reactionary, it wasn't step one throw the chainsaw. I'm falling. What (laughs) shall I do next? It's a a step process. Somebody actually asked me once, didn't you think to tuck and roll? My thought was, well, at 40 feet, tuck and roll. It's just splat. There's no time to roll. Right? So the first thing I did was I had the chainsaw and I threw it back over my right side. Now, if you've ever done rock climbing, if if your harness were rope were to break, you'd actually fall out and away for a bit before you'd go straight down. Just because of the way gravity and all the, the inertia physics. works. The physics is all into play. Well, if that would have happened, I would have landed on my back on top of a two-foot stone wall that goes around our garden. 
curtains. That we know how that would have ended. Yeah. But because I threw the chainsaw, it actually that law of physics again with every action there's an opposite equal and equal an opposite. reaction yeah. right newton so came it, up with i know stuff. he saved my bacon Oof. and so it stood me straight up almost straight up it kind of pushed me a little to my left side and i fell as if i was landing on as if i jumped and i landed directly on my feet okay this could be good news and this is also the problem <laughs> yeah there's the problem the last thing that went through my mind though before i hit the ground now, it's not the bug in the was windshield Was your shoes? Joke. Yeah, it was close to that. Um, it, I remember thinking, this is going to be bad. Oh. And that was just a flash in my mind. And you had just enough time to, to realize that on the way down. Yeah, just enough time. And, and the next thing I know was I began to, began to come conscious again. You realize that, number one, I'm alive. You yeah. know, your body starts going through the damage assessment what's working, what's not. Mm -hmm. And it was the most interesting thing I think I'd ever experienced mentally is, you know, how the brain kind of gets going again was consciousness was there and then I could start to hear and it was all these little steps. And then I remember my vision almost like coming into focus and you're starting all these step-by-step rebooting this computer as an example. Uh And then about that moment that the pain receptors turned on let me and rewind. You realize <laughs> it was really bad. Oh, you know that's when um, I just started. I, a couple of people that I know said that I was yelling. No, I was screaming. You know, I'll be honest with you. There was like there was. I'm an old I'm an old fire guy, and so there. But there was no there was no manliness about it. It was I had not felt that much. In, I was in, wondering what that sound was. Yeah, it was. You heard it yeah, clear, clear down clear here. Over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So fortunately, one of our neighbors, you know, they called the paramedics, Mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the only way they could have gotten to our home faster is if they'd been staged out front. You know, they could look up at the tree. There's an idiot in the tree. We better wait here. We're going to be called soon. Something's going to happen. They had just passed our house two minutes before from a different call. Turned around. So they were in the neighborhood. They they were in the neighborhood, basically. Okay. And so it, it was really fast. Uh, the, the next thing that is they're going through just the day to days, you know, of their normal job mm-hmm. they get there. And I remember looking down and I'm telling them that there's something poking in my leg, you know, a stick or something. And, and I looked down and I could see that it wasn't in my leg. It was out of my legs. It was your leg. Yeah. And so at that point oh. they, they trans, they get me all transported and, you know, getting me in the hospital, getting the, in the ambulance and working toward the hospital. And they take me to a small hospital, uh, American Fork Hospital, which mm-hmm. is just a few miles north of us. And we were only there just a brief few moments when the nurse and the doctors kind of just washed their hands of me. Um, it was bad enough that they couldn't do anything. Wow. Uh, they wanted to call Life Flight, but the Life Flight helicopters were being used. And so they called back the paramedics. They picked me up and took me to Salt Lake City to Intermountain Medical Center. Mm-hmm. And I... By happenstance, got to be one of their first trauma patients at the hospital because they oh, just wow. opened right before just that. Just barely opened. Just barely hospital. opened. It still had that new car smell. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. So, the new hospital smell. <laughs> this whole time, I'm just in and out of consciousness. You know, as it gets closer and closer, they've drugged me up so much. And I remember, and I was still being a goof. I'm making jokes about driving slow down the road because this one's bumpy. And, you know, you're just not all there. Yeah. So you were, you were conscious and aware. It's not right. that this fall, 
knocked you out. You were in a coma for five months. Oh, no, I was conscious the whole time. You're conscious almost immediately. Yeah, the only thing I don't remember is impact. Wow. But your injuries were all on the lower... The lower part the, from of my body. knees down and my left and my left shoulder and arm. Okay, gotcha. so I don't have full use of my left arm. Okay, um, the only thing I can think of is that my hands were out as I was falling, and because I'd right. gone more on the left, this left side got more beat up than the rest of me. When I met you, Mark, uh-huh. you were in a wheelchair. Yes. Now I say were because you walked in here today. Right. And I remember when I was talking to you on the phone, I said, Mark, we don't have an elevator at my place, and we're on the second floor. And you said, mm-hmm. I can do stairs. I'm not paraplegic. Right. And that's, that's maybe something that you have to clarify with people sometimes because you're in a wheelchair. It's not that you're paralyzed. It's that you were severely injured. Correct. Structurally. Uh, but this isn't a spinal cord injury. No, I have no spinal cord injury. I still have full use of my core. Okay. The, the damage that I have in my body is from my knees down mm-hmm. and, and then my left arm. And that was serious, severe damage. Yeah. Uh, to give you an idea, the doctor that I had in Salt Lake, uh, Dr. Hilliard, and I'll say his name and do the shout out or whatever. He was an amazing surgeon and so very yeah, happy. He's to one have, of your heroes. He's definitely one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. He came in and the first, the first time we met him, we didn't like him. He had his arms uh-huh. folded. His back was against the wall. He had like a scowl on his face, and, and it just right. wasn't one of those great moments. But as we got to know him as time went on, you come to find out I couldn't have had a better surgeon tech, you know, ability-wise and, yeah. and patient-wise mm-hmm. from the patient standpoint. Uh, to give you an idea, they initially they were talking about amputating my left leg. That's how bad it was. Oh, wow. And yeah. so currently right now I have, from my knee to my ankle, 20 screws, Mm-hmm. And I have about eight plates in there holding that section of my leg together. You're, you're bionic. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm not quite a $6 million man. No. I've met a couple of those guys out there. Coming but, close, you know. though, probably. <laughs> sure felt like it. Wow. Okay. But those first, t- first 10 days in the hospital were, probably, were, were the hardest. I had five surgeries in those first 10 days. Mm-hmm. One of them was 14 hours long, and that's where they just rebuilt the top part of my left leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, top part of my shin, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a 14 hour long surgery there. So I was in 26 hours over, over 10 days. Mm -hmm. So if I wasn't in anesthesia, I was coming out of anesthesia or getting ready to go in anesthesia. Right. And so in that first three weeks, I lost over 30 pounds in the hospital. So they just could not, you know, this is not, by the way, a recommended weight loss program. No, 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 no. Fall from a 40 feet up in a tree, shatter. Your lower body, uh, this completely changed your life. Is that fair to say? Oh, dramatically. Uh, initially, the doctors said that there wasn't going to, you know, I was only going to be able to, to go so far. Mm-hmm. And, and I was going to, my neurologists were saying, you know, you're in a wheelchair. It's kind of what you get. Yeah. And so that first year was a really, really tough year with your whole adjusting of I'm an able-bodied guy to now I'm... Really, dis- I'm really disabled. I'm in a wheelchair. Right. I've got ramps at my house. I've got all those things. And it was a huge adjustment for, for not right. only myself, but especially my family. An adjustment physically, but also mentally, emotionally, in your relationships? Everything. Is it fair to say that this affected every aspect of your life? Every aspect, exactly. Took the whole thing, just tossed it up in the air, and you get to start with something totally new now. 
yeah, you have to get to know your family. Your family members get to know you're different because mm-hmm. I was different after in some sense. Some people, I'm oh, the yeah. same. Everyone sees me as the same. But there are some, there are some, those that know me very well see there's differences mm-hmm. that of, of who the changes that happen emotionally and psychologically. There would have to be, yeah. Yeah. Now, these changes can go a variety of different directions. And as we come back from this break, we're going to talk about which direction you took it and what you would recommend to all those others out there who are dealing with their challenges in life. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Kirk Weasler to tell you about morebetterbooks.com. Morebetterbooks.com is where you can find more better books for a more better life. Not only that, let me tell you about some of the very fun and cool select titles on morebetterbooks.com. You'll want to get a copy of The Dog Poop Initiative. This best-smelling book could change your life forever. It certainly changed the lives of thousands of Boeing employees as well as school teachers, parents, leaders across the United States and in Israel and in Germany. And you can get your own copy at morebetterbooks.com. Whoa, that's not all. What about The Cookie Thief? This classic tale told in a rhyming format, fully illustrated with very fun hit messages. Pick up a copy now today on morebetterbooks.com. Other great titles there, Finding Your Pathway to Mastery, Beyond Illusions, Make It Great. These titles are only available on morebetterbooks.com. Go to morebetterbooks.com today and begin to have a more better life and live that life on purpose. The number one barrier to success and happiness is fear. Anxiety paralyzes and keeps you from taking the steps that lead to success, achievement, happiness, or better relationships. All forms of anxiety have two primary components, a brain component and a mind component. Your brain is an organ in your body. Your mind does the thinking. The answer to your anxiety is understanding what the brain is doing and steering your mind in a different direction. Understanding and applying a few basic principles in both of these areas makes an immediate and lasting difference in my clients breaking free from anxiety and moving forward with power in their lives. Before I started learning the correct principles to overcome anxiety with Dr. Paul, I wasn't progressing in many areas of my life and it inhibited my thinking. But after I started applying these principles in my life, um, I felt more free. I could progress in those different areas, and I just felt all around better. The best thing about the help that we got from Dr. Paul was that it was not just a band-aid to fix my son's anxiety problems, but he empowered my son to be able to help himself whenever the problems arise again. Now is the time to overcome anxiety, worry, and fear. Your tools to do this are now available in a four-part video course that you can do in the comfort and privacy of your own home. Get immediate access to this powerful program at MyAnxietyAnswer.com. The first episode is free. Visit MyAnxietyAnswer.com today. To be what we are and to become what we are capable of becoming is the only end of life. Robert Louis Stevenson So, Mark, as we were talking during the break, this this is a great example of a bumper sticker that I saw once. I think it said, stuff happens, or something like that. Uh-huh. And it does, huh? It happens to every one of us. 
You didn't get up that morning thinking, hey, uh, you know I what? Think, I'm, I'm going to go jump out of a tree. I could use a little <laughs> shake up here. You know, things are getting a little stale, a little stagnant in my life. I think I'll uh, cause something here. My wife already worries enough. Let's go make her worry yeah. more. <laughs> and it doesn't mean don't go out and trim your trees. No. That's not the message of this conversation today because stuff is going to happen. And when it happens, then we have that choice. Where am I going to go with this? What direction can I take? And I think it boils down to two really basic choices. Uh, it's as simple as negative or positive. Right. And, and taking your energy one way or the other. And it's really tempting to go the negative route, especially when it's painful. That's the easy way. Yeah. The negative route is the easy way to go. You know, earlier this year, mid last year, I went to uh, to Denver, Colorado, and went over and was working with some guys at one of the local hospitals there for a spinal cord rehab. And it was interesting to go in and see a lot of the new patients, the new spinal cord injury patients going through the newbies, the newbies. Yeah, the guys that are just trying to figure this stuff out. And inevitably, I could you could look at those and go, "This guy's going to make it." Ah, this guy's going to have a really hard He's time. Gonna, yeah. And and it literally was, there was a choice factor that had to be made there. And mm-hmm. and for me, where, where it all started choice-wise, when did I start making those conscious efforts and how I'm going to react to these situations? In reality, started when, started 35 years ago. You know, I was, yeah. 10, year, I was 10 years old. I, had a, I was mm-hmm. diagnosed with a very rare bone disease. And I was taken to the University of Iowa, which was the... Whoa, 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 hold on. So you're saying (laughs) stuff happens more than once? If you get it once, you are so awesome. (laughs) (laughs) If you only have it one time, man, tell me how you did it. Well, I know that might seem (laughs) obvious, but here's this. So we're sharing this story of you fell from the tree and you shattered your legs and it was just... And you've had this painful, difficult recovery... Isn't that enough for anybody? But now you're saying you had this rare bone disease when you were younger. So again, I've interrupted you, Mark, but here's... Where do we get the idea that somehow, okay, I've had my quota? Yeah, and and we see that that in people that, as we get older, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're young, it's like, I'm I'm young. But when I get older, I start thinking, okay, I've had enough. Yeah, time out. We're done. You know, <laughs> bring in a substitution. Somebody call somebody in. So you think you're done <laughs> you <know>? now, Mark? <laughs> no, no. I fully am aware that I am not done yet. You've so. learned that. Yeah. So you learned this 35 years ago as you were going through another challenging experience in your life. Yeah, I was. And I was diagnosed with this with this rare bone disease, and and I was put in the hospital. And while in the hospital, you know, I was I was a little tiny kid. You know, I'm 10 years old. You know, I didn't weigh more than, you know, 10 pounds wet, soaking wet. I was just this little kid. And mm-hmm. they had me in traction on my legs to keep the pressure off my hips. They had nine pounds on each foot. And, you know, this little kid, so I'm getting drugged down the bed by the end of the day, and you drag yourself back up, and you get drugged down the end of the yeah. bed, you know. And after a few days, I mean, I, I was a normal 10-year-old kid. I was hurting. Mm-hmm. I was uncomfortable. And what does a hurting, mm-hmm. uncomfortable 10-year-old kid do? Whine, complain, and moan. Belly ache, complain. Exactly. We all tend to do that sometimes, but I was a typical kid. About this time, and then this is the mid-70s where they're rolling in, uh, you know, you're in a hospital ward, 
It wasn't yeah, right. a semi-private room or a private room. We had six kids in this room. Yeah. You know, in the bed next to me, they rolled a young man in and he was about my age. He had two little shriveled up legs. Mm-hmm. His one arm was all shriveled up. I kind of, I refer it to almost as like the Tyrannosaurus Rex arm. It was this little tiny shriveled mm-hmm. thing. He had one good arm. He had a plastic back brace, a colostomy bag and a catheter bag. Now, I, same age. Same age. Yeah. You know, and his name was Michael. And Michael had, at that point in my life, probably had some of the biggest impact for me in direction I went. Because to Michael, he had every reason in my mind to whine, moan, and complain. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, in the 70s, what was the attitude? Yeah. We don't let people go outside from the hospitals because that's where they get sick. Right. Right? And so now, what are we at? We're looking at this. And so he had lived his entire life inside a uh, hospital, basically. Yeah. Inside. Nowadays, if that would happen, what would be, this kid would be out there, he'd be involved as much as we could have him be involved. Mm-hmm. But at that time period in medical science, that's what they believed. And so, but to Michael, the sky was blue, the grass was green, and isn't it a wonderful day? Mm. And after days being in the room with Michael this way, it started having an effect on me that I thought, wait a minute, there is a choice I can make here. And I'm at mm-hmm. 10 years old learning something that, unfortunately, I think there's a lot that haven't learned that even when they get to my age, they don't realize that I can still make my choice. I made mine at 10. It doesn't mean that I don't have bad days. I had a really bad day last week. I was so bummed. It was mm-hmm. one of those tough days with my legs, and I was like, oh, I'm so tired of this. Right. But as my wife knows, that only lasts a short period of time for me because I'm like, all right, time to pull up the bootstrap. Let's go. Well, you don't like being there either. No, no. It's not fun for you. It's definitely not fun for Victoria. No, we know that. <laughs> right. But okay, so this choice is not about whether things happen to you or not. That's not the choice. No, we have no choice in that. That's a given. Right. The choice is what? The choice is what do I have the ability to have control over? What can I, what can I do? Can I, I'm in a wheelchair. Five years ago, I got put in a wheelchair. Right. Okay. What choice do I have? My Victoria and I sat that week in the hospital, that first week and said, this is the hand that we've been dealt. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go with this? Very practical. And how are we going to manage all this? And so we sat down and the choice is, what can I choose that I still have the ability to have an effect on? What, what can I do out there that really, because I don't worry, I don't want to worry about all the things that I can't control. I can't control if bad stuff's going to happen to me. Right. In some ways I can't, some ways you can, but some ways you can't, you know, mm-hmm. but, but I can control exactly what I'm going to do, how I'm going to see it and where I'm going to go from here. Exactly. If I don't make that choice, then the negative automatically comes into play. That's my belief. If I don't consciously make the choice, the negative's always easier. I think you're right about that. Default is always downhill. Right. It doesn't take any energy, so it's going to happen if you don't intentionally choose something else. That's what you're saying, I I totally would say that, yes. I love what you're saying about the focus, because what what do I have? What can I do? As opposed to spending all of that mental energy on what can't I do? What don't I have? 
you know, a couple years ago, yeah, exactly. A couple years ago, I spoke with uh, the Utah Project Manager Institute for their yearly conference. And you do this, right? I mean, you go around to groups and you speak and correct and share these principles. I get it. I get uh-huh. the. I have the opportunity. It's it's the my favorite thing I get to do in the whole world, to go speak to companies and go speak to to youth groups and to schools and right. because we all have these things. But it yeah. was interesting when I went and spoke with this group a couple of years ago. After you get done and I get off stage and and mm-hmm. and there was there was a, a couple of people that wanted to visit with me for a minute or two and. But there was this one gentleman that was off in the back, and he kind of was just hovering around back there. And uh-huh. after everybody left, he came up to me, and he, he was rather emotional. And almost to the point where I felt briefly uncomfortable. You know, you're one of those going, uh... You're like, I'm uh, trying to take I'm, care of him. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the guy you need to talk to. But in reality, <laughs> what he came up to tell me was he had hurt his back many years ago. Uh-huh. And he spent the last 20 years telling himself, I can't do this anymore, I can't do this anymore, and I can't do this anymore. Oh, and after wow. having seen the video that that was shot of me uh, doing racing and hand cycling and things like that, and hearing me speak, he said, this is exactly what I needed because all of a sudden I'm thinking, what can I still do? What can I do? And he realized that there was so many things that he could still do. Oh, that's such a better question. Yeah, and so I left there thinking, this is so why I love doing this. Yeah. You know, what can I do as I can hopefully share a message with people is it really comes down to the choice. How am I going to handle this and what direction yeah. am I going to go from here? This is a universal principle, isn't it? It is. It's not just about people with, with skeletal injuries to their body. No. It, it's not about paraplegia or quadriplegia it's about whatever your deal is we can look in the news on any given day almost any given day out there and you can Mm -hmm. look in the news and you can see people who take the the choice to go i'm choosing this in the positive way Mm -hmm. and i can i I, right off the top of my head i can think of two right here in utah Uh uh-huh you know smart Right. Yes, Elizabeth Smart. Talking about Elizabeth Smart. Elizabeth Smart and her, and her, and her and tragedy Smart that they went through, and look how they handled it. Chris Williams. Yes. Oh my gosh. He's scheduled. He. Uh, that's going to be awesome. He'll be on our show. And you've had guys like, you know, Mike Shalapi, and yep. these people that have had everything. Every one of these individuals have gone through different trials. Exactly. But they've all chosen that positive, harder way to go. But look what difference that they've been able to make to how many people out there. It's easier to go downhill than it is to go up. And the view reflects that. (laughs) And you go downhill a lot faster than you go uphill. (laughs) You and I have a lot of common friends because we both belong to the National Speakers Association and we hang out with with people like Mike Shalafi and Chad Hymas and, and Chris Williams and these people who have... It's like I said to start out with, every inspiring story I know has a hard part in the middle. And the other stories that aren't inspiring to me me, may have a hard part in the middle, but they made a different choice, so it doesn't inspire me, (laughs) right? Or there's no hard part yet, and so there's no relevance yet to inspire me. So what you're saying is really true. The choice is there, and it's universal, it's not about a particular challenge. It's about whatever yours is. Everyone has their own challenges. 
Absolutely. And I've said this a hundred times, you know, I spent so much time in a wheelchair and now I'm walking around with a cane. I still have my chair when I go a long distance. I have to use that because yeah. I can't, I don't have that ability to go a long ways. But, you know, a cane and wheelchair and all that are great big red flags that people look at and go, oh man, life really stinks for him. Yeah. That must be hard. But Poor you know, him. Yeah, and, and I hear that. But really when you get down to it, you know, Dr. Paul, you look at yourself or you look at anybody else out there mm-hmm. and they're upright walking normal, but they may very well have even bigger trials than I would ever want to deal with. But, but you, we don't see that. Right. Because there's no red flag of a cane or crutches or wheelchair that, mm-hmm. that, that sends that signal there's a problem. Mm-hmm. But there are so many people out there that have just those day-to-days, they look normal, but the stresses and the trials that they're having, mm-hmm. and this same, this same principle applies to those same, same things. Yes, and I love that about the principles. And that's what makes them so universal to everyone. And that's what allows you to go in and speak to people in an industry that you have no clue about. Right. Because you understand the human processes that are going on inside of the people who are in that industry. It doesn't matter what industry it is. Right. Because we all have, we're still human. (laughs) We all have those similarities Mm -hmm. that are there. So, Mark, before we close up today, and we've just got a a minute and a half or so left, I want you to uh, share with us how can people learn more about you how can they get in touch with you if they want you to come speak to one of their groups, for example, or just learn more about what your story is? Do you have a way that, that you can point us to? Well, there's a couple different things. Uh, okay. First of all, we're, we're just at that ending point, getting ready to launch our website. Oh, and yeah. That, w- that will be uh, markmerritt.com, M-A-R-K-M-A-R-R-O-T-T. Okay. Com. Mark and then Merit, M-A-R-R-O-T-T. Yep, dot com. com. And so that should be launched here pretty quick, and that'll have a lot of contact information and that information. I'd love to be able to come out and share some things. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of stuff that I do in reality. This has been a pretty pretty serious conversation about choices, but there's a lot Mm -hmm. of fun things that happen. And and my sons always call me, you know, a dork. And I have a lot of fun with that, and there's a lot of fun things that can happen. Yeah. Well, I think you were sharing during the break that there's the humor is oh. part of what gets you through this it is, stuff, yes. isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I watched a video, too, where you were um, sharing some of your story, and people were talking about you, people who right. know you. And the thing that I kept hearing is that you maintained a sentence of humor, that you, you maintained an attitude that was positive, and that's what got you through all of these difficult times. We've talked a little bit about that today, but... Um, those, I think, are some very foundational things that any of us could take to apply to whatever challenge we're facing right now. Yes. What would you like to, to say as we wrap up? Give you the last word as we go into the bumper. Man, I get the last word. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, take it. <laughs> well, first of all, I wanted to say thanks for having me come. And mm-hmm. I have thoroughly enjoyed being able to come and share a little bit about how choices can have a dramatic impact on us. And I really believe that they are the way, they are the things that determine in the end, when we're 80 and 90 years old, I can look back on my life and say, did I have a good life? Did I accomplish something positive? Because I can look back and the choices are the things that get us to that point where we can say, great life.